and welcome to In The Loop, a podcast by Civic Duty Rice. My name is Lauren and we are finally back with the continuation of our season this spring semester. Now a lot has happened recently, including the Iowa caucuses just literally forgetting how to do their one job. Um, But we wanted to make sure that people know about something that happened a few months ago, which was Greg Abbott being the first person to actually take the Trump administration up on their offer to opt out of resettling refugees. Greg Abbott announced that Texas would not be taking any refugees in the coming year. But um, a judge actually overturned this ruling. So currently, Texas is on track to continue accepting refugees. However, there's still a lot of action being taken to ensure that if the Trump administration can overturn this court judge's ruling, that Texas continues accepting refugees despite what Greg Abbott might want. To help explain this to us and talk about different action being taken and involvement opportunities at Rice, we have a freshman from Baker to come help us out. My name is Lily Sethry Brink. I'm a freshman from Baker, and I'm from Dripping Springs, Texas. And how are you involved in this refugee resettlement issue? Right. So I originally got involved uh, through Amnesty International when I was in high school and worked on some advocacy issues from my hometown on a kind of like a broader policy level. And then when I got to college, I got involved with Rice ACLU. Um, And through that, I started the Refugee Initiative Working Group, but not, you know, as like my own separate idea, but rather I connected with the state and national coalition, which involves organizations like Refugee Council USA, um, the Interfaith Council, Church World Service, and and a couple others as well as refugee agencies, both nationally and in Texas, um, to kind of understand what that coalition was doing in terms of strategy, specifically in regards to Executive Order 13888 from President Donald Trump. And that's kind of how I started organizing here on campus, and I expanded to talk to other organizations that work on similar issues, such as PEAR, um, to kind of put together this group of people. So before we get into your work, what exactly is this executive order and like why is it such a problem? Yeah, so the executive order was uh, released by Donald Trump in November of 2019. And essentially what it says is that states and localities can opt out of refugee resettlement. And this is a problem because a governor or a mayor or whoever that official may be can essentially say, okay, we're not going to accept any more refugees, sorry. And the thing is, it, this, doesn't, it, this isn't even related to state funding because all the funding comes from the federal government. It just means that if they go to that, that if a refugee um, wants to go to a particular state, they're not going to be able to get any federal funding there. And also, typically, the federal government decides who goes where, and so it just means they can't place people in that state, even if there's already a ton of infrastructure there. Because the agents, a lot of the agencies, you know, have offices and operate on like a state or city level. So, for example, that's why you see a lot of infrastructure to resettle refugees in Houston specifically. Um, so we have a lot of agencies here doing really great work. If the governor decides to opt out, that also means that all the localities have like can no longer accept refugees as well, right? Because it, it's top down in that sense. Forty-two governors had said they would continue to accept refugees in January of 2020, but then Governor Abbott came out and said that, you know, Texas just was done. They weren't going to resettle any more refugees. And that doesn't mean that a refugee can't be resettled somewhere else and then move to Texas, but it means they're, again, like, it means they're not going to get the support here. And especially because there are so many refugees here already, people are often having to choose then between, you know, their family or having financial support, which just is ridiculous and, you know, not just not fair. And also it's a completely political move by Abbott because there is no, like, 
policy is substantiating between what he's saying. He's only trying to show that he's tough on immigration because it is no drain on state resources. The infrastructure is already here. Like the organizations here have the capability to do it, and all of the mayors and um, leaders in the localities have like released statements that they would like to continue accepting refugees. Um, so there's really no reason that. Um, we should have stopped doing it. And also, just as a reference point, of the 42 governors, previous Abbott, who came out and said they were going to continue refugee resettlement, a lot of those folks were Republicans. So it's not a partisan issue in that sense, right? It's a, it's Abbott's issue. Um, however, it should be noted that in January, after Abbott released his decision, a federal court judge in Maryland essentially told the Trump administration, no, you can't do this. This is, you know, not constitutional, sorry, which means that refugee resettlement is going to continue as it was. However, the Trump administration is currently challenging that ruling, and they can get it overturned, which is what we saw in 2017 with the travel ban. And that's why this is such a concern, because you might say, you know, right now, oh, refugee resettlement is continuing, but that's not necessarily set in stone. And so we want to make sure that Abbott has his decision reversed in the case that that happens. And also, just generally speaking, it's sending a very negative message to refugees that are already in Texas, saying, you know, like, we don't want you here, which I think, you know, a majority of the Texans would disagree with. So I've heard that kind of Abbott's argument is that Texas already accepts so many more refugees than other states that we're basically like we've done our part. I'm not going to ask if that has merit necessarily, but like, is that true? I mean, does Texas, I mean, do we have the resources to continue accepting refugees at the same level? Do we accept so many more refugees than other states? We do accept more refugees than other states, but it's because we have the infrastructure too. It's because these agencies are already here. They've been here for a long time. A lot of like, specifically, like there was a huge spike in the 80s, and that's when a lot of these um, organizations kind of like expanded and that kind of thing. Um, and so, any argument that we don't have the resources is, is just like, frankly, not true. In fact, because the Trump administration slashed the number of refugees that were we've been admitting so significantly, um, a lot of the resources are actually going unused. Um, so there's literally resources there for people that aren't being used um, because, you know, we're not accepting the same number of refugees that we that we did in the past. And so we absolutely have the capacity both, I mean, in terms of money, in terms of, you know, people who are working on the issues at these agencies and the various other programs, like, especially in Houston, too. Um, so, like, those arguments are honestly just, like, legitimately ridiculous. I mean, there's no merit to that. Like, they're not, they're just not based in fact. <laughs> like, that's just how it is. Okay, so if the Trump administration gets the decision overturned and this refugee resettlement executive order is constitutional and Abbott can say Texas doesn't have to accept more refugees, what does that look like? Like, how long does that decision last? I mean, is that just until another governor decides we do accept refugees again? Is there, does it kind of expire at a point? Mm -hmm. My understanding of it is that the decision stands until, like, a governor decides to reverse it. So I'm pretty confident that if Abbott, you know, were to get kicked out of office, which unfortunately is not likely in Texas, especially since we have no governor term limits, it doesn't seem like he'll be stepping down anytime soon, um... It will essentially go on until it's until it's reversed, and that and that is my understanding of it. That is the governor's sole decision, similar to the way in that it is the president's sole decision um, to set the number of refugees that we accept in a given year. It's very similar in that sense. So, what action have you taken so far, not necessarily on campus at Rice, but like while you've been here at Rice and with these other organizations since the decision has been was made? Mm -hmm. So I've talked a lot with the state organizer, which is a wonderful lady named Aisha Khan. Um, 
about what we should do. And originally, um, before Abbott came out against uh, refugee resettlement in Texas, we were, you know, they were in negotiations with him. It was looking positive. And so she essentially asked us, like, can you get support from, you know, local businesses in Houston to frame it as an economic issue to say that, you know, refugees are a part of our community. They're a part of the economic fabric. They support the work happening in Houston. Um, and so, and so, you know, we were going just about to contact alumni and get support from these businesses. But then, uh, this we saw in January, reverse this decision. So then we had to kind of change the strategy completely. Um, and so since then, the actions that we've essentially done, like a lot of it started out on campus, like with the phone bank and with the creation of a resolution passed through the SA to essentially condemn Abbott's actions, um, essentially expanded that to other schools. So we have a coalition of all the higher education institutions in Houston working together to, to pass resolutions at the various schools. Um, and in addition to this, we met with our representative, Sarah Davis, who is our representative in the Texas House. Um, and, you know, she, I, I can't go into all the details of what she said, but, but essentially um, no other Republicans um, in the Texas legislature have come out against Abbott because he has so much control over the election process. Um, so she was actually the only individual who commented and, you know, said she didn't agree with Abbott's decision. So we kind of hit a roadblock there. Um, in terms of trying to, when we met with her, in terms of trying to kind of build a coalition of Republicans within the Texas legislature. So then, you know, we had to take a different route. And she recommended that we go through faith organizations, and a number of them, such as the Catholic bishops, um, not, they're not necessarily like their own organization. But anyways, a lot of folks and organizations have come out against Abbott um, for religious region, reasons as well. And so he directed us to take a faith-based approach. So since then, we've been organizing not only with the, the other schools, but, you know, higher institution schools, or higher education, sorry. Anyways, but in addition to that, reaching out to faith organizations um, to have them present at a press conference in which we you know, talk about why we disagree with Abbott's decision, why it's wrong, why he needs to change it, and basically have this like massive show of community um, and of and a like, very positive force that's not only you know students, but it's also folks in faith groups. So we're kind of sending this message, like, look, we are your constituents, and it's not just folks who would likely vote against you in an election. It's people that would vote for you. And right now, you know, you're changing that with your actions and make that very clear in the press conference as well. And we are inviting um, all elected officials. I know Sarah Davis said that she would attend. Um, I can't speak for other uh, officials in the Texas legislature or um, in Houston, but hopefully they would make an appearance as well. So that's currently in the works. Either will be the University of Houston or at Rice, we're still currently um, confirming facilities. And then in addition to that, we're getting together um, a group of folks to pass resolutions at the county level of the Republican Party, um, essentially condemning Abbott's um, decision. And so, you know, we're meeting with those Republicans, we're reaching out to the Republican groups um, at other schools um, to start that process as well. So we're essentially, you know, pressuring him through multiple points to reverse his decision. And in addition to that, which I think, you know, is perhaps the more, more important aspect of it, is that we're building infrastructure to continue pressuring him and also, you know, to advocate for other issues in the future, especially ones that can be deemed bipartisan, um, to kind of build that coalition so we can actually, you know, maybe push for more structural changes going into the future on, on other issues, on similar issues. Um, and also I think that in this way when we work together, you know, we're not organizing in a vacuum. And that's especially like what I think happens a lot at Rice and other campuses. You know, like, yes, it's great to have a phone bank, which was also one of the things that we did. But you can't just have that. 
Because at the end of the day, that, that's not going to be creating real change. Like, sure, you're raising your voice. Like, yes, that's great. But even elected officials probably, like, especially if they're already against you, aren't going to change their decision solely based off of that. And so you have to do more than that, and also just in terms of raising awareness as well. And so that's why I think, you know, the key difference here is in, in like, understanding social justice organizing. And hopefully that's, you know, where this process will, will take us is, like, that positive way of actually creating more structural change. So given all of that, like, what does success look like, you know, whether it be this press conference or other, you know, assuming that the judge, the ruling stands for a while so Abbott can't actually do anything? Like, what are you hoping happens? A couple of things. Obviously, I want Abbott to reverse his decision because I think, you know, regardless of the, like, implications in application, you know, of, like, what happens, like, on the ground, so to speak, I think it's also, you know, a symbol saying that, you know, refugees are welcome here, which I think would be a really positive thing, especially because we've seen a lot of really xenophobic things from the government lately, um, very, you know, anti-immigrant, uh, a lot of otherization happening, and I think, you know, I think to say that would, like, decrease that as, you know, maybe, like, grossly oversimplifying, but I think it would be a step in the right direction um, in that sense. And I think the other thing that I'd like to see come from this is to have more people engaged and working on these issues, not only at Rice, but um, in the greater Houston Coalition in a way where people are working together and not, you know, in, in their own bubbles at their own university, like solely, right? I want to see more work that kind of spans those boundaries and hopefully, um, like, you know, more, like also more public policy issues going forward, I think would be really awesome to see on, on like host issues. And I think, you know, if I were to even add a third thing, it would be to hope that, you know, folks are working on things in a more bipartisan way on issues, you know, that really are, are shouldn't be political, should not be politicized, but are about human rights, which, you know, I'm sure I have a different definition of that than many of my counterparts, um, specifically those in the Republican Party. But, but the hope would be that we could come together in that way. So you mentioned kind of impacts on the ground or like work on the ground in this. What could have been the impact of, you know, to maybe the refugee population already in Texas or to refugees who were then not allowed in Texas? Like, what does this look like for those people now or if this ban was to be put in place? So now it's essentially continuing as as it was, um, which, I mean, still isn't totally great because, like I said, the Trump administration significantly slashed the amount of refugees that we're accepting when there's a huge need. I mean, this is, we haven't had this many refugees or displaced persons um, since World War II, since right after wow. World War II. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's a significant need, and I think we're not really fulfilling that need right now as a nation, and I think it's a broader global problem as well. Um, but beyond that, it will essentially continue as normal as we've seen for the past um, almost four years now. And then if it does end up being overturned, the judge's ruling, if it does become overturned, then essentially Texas wouldn't resettle refugees anymore. Um, so people, people could still move here, but they wouldn't get any federal aid, um, which is what a lot of the agencies use to operate. A lot of them do also, like, as I mentioned before, they have their own funds as well, um, but they also heavily rely on federal aid. Um, and so these agencies that are here would no longer be receiving that aid, which okay. would, you know, significantly decrease what they're able to do in terms of, of resettlement uh, when, you know, that money, like it, which it doesn't make sense, right? So organizations are here and the money is there. The money would end up going to, to other areas. I mean, so other areas could, like, theoretically could expand it, but see, that takes time. You can't build an agency in a day and asking entire, like, group of people and institution to, like, 
pack up and move uh, towards where the federal funding is when there's already communities here that are in need. It, it would just it would get very complicated, um, and a lot of the agencies would probably, you know, end up having to shut down. So this is kind of a, a dumb question, I guess. Um, so these organizations that are helping refugees, I mean, what does that look like? And if their aid was cut off, are they, I guess my question is, would they still be trying to help refugees that were here before mm-hmm. refugee resettlement stopped in Texas? Would this have an impact on refugees already here in that sense? Or would it just be that the organizations wouldn't exist because no one is coming to be resettled? I think that will depend on the organization. I would say for the most part, a lot of the agencies, I, I'm not sure I have all the answers to this question because it can get a little bit complicated because typically, like, I think they only, refugees only receive federal su- like support for a specified number of days okay. after they arrive here. But to my knowledge, some of it would, it would really depend on the organization and on, like, what they're currently doing. But, like, if, if this were to be overturned, it would significantly handicap the work that they do because they are losing that federal funding. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. If people want to help you with the work you're doing, get involved in some of this work, what can they do? Like, where should they go? Is there a Facebook page, an email, a meeting? Yeah, absolutely. I would say just reach out to any of the folks in the coalition. You can also um, go um, in the resistance at Rice. There'll probably be some posts in there and that Facebook page um, if you want to get involved. But honestly, I would say I'm um, just contacting any of the folks in it directly if you want to become a part of it. Um, so that's that's me, that's Ariana Engels, who was the former SA president, um, Angie Fan, who's a freshman at McMurtry, um, Summer Shabana, who's a freshman at Baker, just kind of reaching out to any of us and saying, hey, I want to get involved in this. Um, and I think there's also other organizations that work on refugee resettlement issues in other capacities. Like I know Ariana Engels has a, refu- um, a refugee support working group through the SA, there's PAIR. Um, and there's also uh, some other initiatives happening on campus as well. So I would say, honestly, just directly reach out. We always could use more people on projects, um, doing the work, organizing, and also like there's always more things that you can do from a grassroots sense, right? Um, and so honestly, like contributing your ideas, um, expanding what we're doing, and also just you know be willing to kind of like do like the logistical things, you know, like the the coordination or like write up a, a letter, an infographic. Um, things like that. So yeah, I think there's a lot of ways to get involved. Like I said, the leadership in um, this group is very horizontal, and we also want to, you know, provide folks with a foundation in grassroots organizing so that they can continue to do that um, during their time at Rice. Awesome. Well, we will put some contact information in the episode description for y'all if you want to reach out to Lily or any of her people she's working with to get involved. Lily, thank you so much. This was awesome. Thank you for the work you're doing and for coming to talk to us about it. 